This episode of the Council of the First Ones was recorded on Sunday, January 26, 2020. Welcome to another episode of Council of the First Ones. I'm your host, Kelly. Joining me today is my brother from another mother, Renee. How are you doing? <laughs> That's a compliment, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh, I'm doing oh, fine, Kelly. Oh, I'm doing fine. I've been enjoying my collectibles, enjoying my filmation figures and my movie figures and my mega constructs, you know. Motu's back. What can I say? I'm happy. They said it was coming back in 2020, and so far, they haven't lied. (laughs) Also joining us is Sean. Hi, glad to be back, everybody. And what have you been up to lately? I have been reading the uh, Masters of the Multiverse comic, actually, this week. I I wasn't able to get my hands on it when it actually came out, but was really happy to read it, because 2000X especially, because that's my my jam. I've said it a few times (laughs) before, but... I was so happy to go back to Eternia through the Mike Young Productions eye. So, very happy with that. Also, we have David joining us. Hello, great to be here again. Great to have you also. Hey, everyone. Oh, there he is. Oh, okay, there he is. <laughs> Party. How are you doing, Rex? Wonderful. And I've got to give a special shout out to this next person. It's been so long since we've heard him. Hurricanes and earthquakes can't put a damper on this Motu guy. (laughs) Except Danielle, who turned around and set Adora up with Seahawk. And I know he's still crying. Our friend Crespo. (laughs) I'm here only because they promised me that Spectre would get his butt kicked. (laughs) (laughs) Well, come on, we all like watching Spectre get his butt kicked. <laughs> yeah, we should, we could have gotten like 35 pages of it, but at least the Guy Gardner treatment was great. <laughs> <laughs> and Dave, I see you brought a good friend of the council with you. Well, yes, I'm so happy that Dan was able to, to join us for a third time to talk about, to, to geek out over multiverse. The He's the uh, artist for... Uh, issue three and yeah he, i'm so happy he's able to make it hi dan hey what's happening again glad to be here really glad to be here thanks for having me on again i gotta i gotta repeat it because before we have our recording i had to say not enough artwork not enough pages because that means that yeah. i needed more i was just <laughs> this issue was so mind-blowing it's become my favorite that's what I'm trying to tell you. You know, this is... Oh, excellent. I just needed yeah, way more some, out of this. Some crazy, crazy moments. When uh, when when Tim first sent me the script and I read it, I was definitely blown away, especially a lot of the key moments, a lot of the developments, especially being able to kind of extend upon the 2000X uh, universe and show us what, what's been going on with them and... Um, you know, exploring our our little character world uh, with Keldor and bringing him in and exploring more through uh, the the lens of another Skeletor. It was very very fun to do. 
I wore my rubber pants like you told me to, and I, I was not disappointed. Let me tell you that much. <laughs> that, <laughs> like, the, the fact that you let me have that little nugget of going, yeah, we're going to take some time with this this world and take some time with the uh, 2000X. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking through yeah. the issue and I'm like, oh, you you delivered your promise to me about this because yeah, big time. I, it, Thank you. it was it was such a it was such a nice like uh, the way you rendered everything really made me like it, it made me so happy for that line. It made me so happy for that uh, that continuity. But on top of that, even with the story, I was just like, oh, you guys, you guys pulled that one off. I really enjoyed it. Well, thanks, man. We, you know, when we're we're sitting alone in 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 our studios doing our part you know it it always feels good down the line to know that that our uh our efforts are appreciated oh definitely definitely well i've been hearing a lot of great feedback about the last issues too and your appearance on our show so yeah it's absolutely your work is appreciated no, uh, the one thing I really wanted to say, I didn't get to say it the last time because uh, Tim and you both being on, I didn't want to go too crazy asking questions or, or whatever. But uh, the one thing I've heard a lot of is how well done the new adventure Skeletor was an issue too. And I know we brought it up last yeah. time too, but the, the the one panel especially where he took off his helmet, you did so much to make to convey the pain of that character with how you rendered that. That to this day, I think yeah. that's one of the shining moments in this up to issue three so far is you managed to make that character resonate with people in a in a continuity that normally is not the most accepted community of of uh, the master's line. Mm-hmm. And it really was. I know a what cool... you mean. I'll tell you the the I'm a an avid fan and and uh, studier of comic book artists that I enjoy. And uh, Todd McFarlane being one of the guys, especially in my youth, and in one of his interviews, he had mentioned uh, drawing things. You know, someone asked what his secret was, and they said he he draws things uh, to entertain himself. Because when you're sitting in a room for 10, 12 hours working on the same piece of artwork, um, you need everything you can to keep you there. It's not yeah. just get it done and move on. You you want to make sure it's something that uh, you yourself, when you're done with it, are like, yeah, that's cool, you know. And and because I I'm I'm part of that audience that um, new adventures, man. I was at 91. I I graduated high school in 91, so I had uh, stepped out of of anything to do with toys and and um, was working hard becoming a comic book artist. So I, all my focus was there. So I didn't, I wasn't even aware of new adventures. And then uh, when I worked at Mattel, I saw some new adventure stuff and I said, what the heck is this stuff? <laughs> and then I saw, you know, some, some of the characters and some of the animation, cause that was my department. And I thought it was kind of, um, I don't want to use that. Like, I don't want to say it was hokey or anything like that, but it just wasn't, didn't give me the same feelings that the filmation stuff did. Sure. Uh, and and when the time came to drawing uh, new adventures, I was going. We were announcing the book at PowerCon, and I had just finished my layout for the issue. And I I knew moments how I wanted them to feel as far as the storytelling was concerned, but I didn't really have the aesthetic down yet. And when I was at PowerCon, I managed to buy uh, a 
and not the classics version, but the actual version of the Skeletor from New Adventures. It was stupid expensive. It was like 70 bucks. <laughs> it's still in the package. Yeah. And, um, and I studied that thing. I looked at all the nooks and crannies and, and was like, okay, this is what this guy is. And then I searched on eBay and found the classics version of him and said, wow, that actually gives me sort of a thrill. Like looking at that version gave me uh, like that excitement. Mm-hmm. that uh that feeling i was looking for so what i wanted to do is interject as much of that essence of that feeling that i could into uh that skeletor and that process is what ended up um like i said he's my out of all everything that i've had to draw in um in the series he was definitely my favorite because of the the process i had to go through I, you know it's like some characters if you threw me on say um you know, Spider-Man with a Green Goblin story, I, you, you have to, you don't have to need a microscope to find, I mean, you need a microscope to find the bit of me that doesn't care because I love that so much. Mm-hmm. So finding a, a, finding something that I had no connection to and, and transforming uh, my feelings into something that I cared so much about that like now I have passion for it. To me, that's, I don't know, it make, made it all worth it. Yeah, you can tell on that pan. I, I I loved it. I I was very impressed by it. So I just I really wanted to say that last time. So I'm really glad I got this to say it now. Thank you. That's yeah. very kind of you. Well, and it's fun that you're using uh, Disco Skeletor in this issue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was fun. But like say. I said, have you, have you guys looked at his boots? you know that was like the first thing because you kept talking about the boots and yes i can imagine the work that like did you actually buy tell me because part of me would feel sorry i had to buy oh you did i i I had to i had to i did midway through um but as, as you guys could see like um i only did the first 11 pages of the third issue um, and, and as David knows, I, I did the layouts for the whole thing. So, you know, Tom, uh, graciously finished up the issue over my layouts, um, and did his thing. But like, for me, the, the moments that like, even in layout phase that, that gave me like the, the feels, so to speak, is killing tappers, a gray skull, um, yeah. you know, skewering that little guy. And then the, <laughs> the, 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 the 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 moment he had with Tila, you know, it's like Tim Tim did his work to earn that, and I I felt like when I drew it, I felt kind of sad, you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just weird. It's like I I don't know I don't know other comic artists uh, that have had to do this, but I feel kind of like a, a comic book serial killer. Nah. And if they, you know, if they, if they had to. If like if they had a Roger Rabbit thing, I think I would be on their like hit list. Like, Get this guy; he's taking out you know, eight of our guys. <laughs> you know, so yeah, I feel like I feel like oh great, each issue I kill a couple people, and uh, but at, at least this time I got to pass it off to Tom. Uh, nice. Tom got to so now he's an accomplice. <laughs> right, he right. is. He is. I, I, yeah, I basically sent him the photo and the weapon and do this. Yeah, yeah. take him out. <laughs> Hey, yeah. I want to thank you so much for sharing the layout art for this issue yeah. with me so I could share it uh, on adultcollector.org. Thank you so much. That was that hey, was a real my, treat. My pleasure. I, 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 I like people being able to see uh, the process. You know, I, I found that uh, 
the fact that I have always used this process since uh, probably the late 90s, early 2000s, even when I did Wolverine and Black Panther for Marvel, I would lay out the whole issue first. And a lot of guys don't work that way. Like I, I was talk- talking to a guy named uh, Mark Bagley, who's a Spider-Man artist. Yeah. And he, to- he told me the way, the, the way he works is he gets up, he reads the script, uh, that page that day and draws that page. And then he's done, he's done. Um, and he just goes straight forward. He draws it as he goes. And that's, that's definitely a way, you know? Uh, but for me, I've always liked to see uh, sort of, I like to have control over moments. So if something is going to feel big uh, in a certain part, I like to draw back a little bit and, and really try to set things up. Sometimes as far back as four or five pages, I'll set something up um, that may not be obvious, but it, it could just be in the in the sizing I use of a character. Let's say I, I draw this character no bigger than, you know, on the printed page, no bigger than three inches. You know, it could be uh, a close-up, it's still three inches, or it could be a, a full body, it's three inches. But then you get to page five where there's a dra- dramatic moment, and suddenly they're five inches. All of a sudden, it seems so much bolder. Do you, mm-hmm. do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's the, yeah. the reason that, that that process worked out for me is that uh, Mattel, they like to see everything first. So they want the script written out, scripted. Uh, you know, they want to see the layouts complete they want to see the storytelling before you go forward with the pencils they want to see pencils before you go forward with the inks and so forth so uh i was very fortunate to to have already been doing that because for some guys they're like i don't do that you know i don't lay out the whole book are you crazy no i don't work that way but that happens to be the way i work and for you know the opportunity to share it with people um it to me is uh exciting because it it gives I always say this regarding my show that I have on YouTube uh, and the interviews I do. There are a million ways to skin a cat and and the creativity comes in different forms. And let's say you have 10 people that want to draw. Let's say that of those 10 people, one of those people can watch watch an interview or a tutorial and get absolute, you know, none of those people can get uh, absolutely nothing from it. But uh, that one person it lights their life up and they become the next big thing because of that grain of information. Um, I like to be able to provide as much perspective as possible in the creative process that um, if it inspires somebody down the line, then, then uh, it's totally worth it. I want to point out here when I, when you talked about the process and the artwork, the first thing I got out of the issue when I turned the pages and I'm looking at it, you did, you put one group together that to me realized wow it was so amazing you put all the cosmic enforcers that was fun that was that was a that that was a lot of fun uh, a lot of fun to draw those characters um you know uh it was neat to put them in a way and and i'll tell you again one of the things that uh i try to do and again i'm going to reference todd mcfarlane again because he's one of those guys that i really dig uh, and he has great philosophies. Like if you're a Bruce Lee fan because you like his movies, you'll be a bigger fan of Bruce Lee because of his philosophies. And that's how I feel about McFarlane in certain aspects. Like he was saying that uh, when he did Spider-Man, uh, he was trying to tap into his um, recollection of what Steve Ditko had done, but not necessarily look at it. Right. He didn't go and look at it, and reference it. He said he tried to feel, remember what he, the essence of it was. 
So when I did the Cosmic Enforcers, I was thinking about Mike Mignola's run on Cosmic Odyssey and the way he handled things. Uh, and I was thinking about the sort of more, and in my mind, I remembered a lot of horizontal, I mean, vertical layouts. So uh, what I wanted to do when I drew them is show them uh, in a very tall format. And that's why I chose to make it vertical is is because, uh, again, like I was trying to tap into something, uh, a recollection or a feeling. Hmm. It worked out really well. I like that real that Thank just huge huge close up of of Zodak's eye. Yeah. And well that <laughs> that is uh from Tim's script. He actually said that. Oh really? Close up of nice. Zodak's eye. That's exactly oh, what he cool. said. And, well that's yeah. part of the, the fan, you know, the that's a part I wanted to mention was that part of his mystique was his face. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and, and that was very artistic to me. I thought, wow, you know, like you understood, you know, that that's clearly defining Zodak, that weird mask. Yeah, I'd like to see a comic with the, with their adventures. I think that would agreed, be cool. agreed. Definitely. Yeah. Well, and there's this differing opinion with He-Man fans. You know, who is Zodak? Is he a good guy, bad guy? Is he, you know, is he is he truly neutral? Uh, and that goes is back he to above how all he... of good and bad. Yeah, it's like that that whole there's that I forget how the story goes, but it like they say uh, guy breaks his leg bad, goes to the hospital, meets a woman uh, that's his wife that becomes his wife. Good. Uh, You know, they have a child that uh, has cancer bad. You know, the, the cancer, the kid dies, but the research saves a thousand lives. Good. Do you, you see what I'm saying? Like that, that whole idea, like. Uh, the, the their concepts, of, I think, of good and bad behavior, and I think what those boil down to, if we're going to get slightly philosophical, it's uh, that all all evil comes from selfishness, and all good comes from selflessness. So you know what I'm saying? Like, it, mm-hmm. you, if you think about if you think about when someone steals something, it boils down to the self a selfish notion that. I deserve this more than they do. So therefore I'm going to take it. Uh, or, uh, you know, I want to feel this way. Therefore I'm going to do this or the, I, my, my feeling of anger is more important than this person's life. Therefore I'm going to take it. It's all boils down to selfishness, mm-hmm. whereas selflessness, selflessness is, um, acts of courage, love, things like that, where, uh, you put something be- before yourself or before your own comforts. And anyway, um, that's how, at least how, uh, Frega Boone's definition of, of good and bad. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. Like as a character, Zodak's one of those characters that for some people he's really cool or he's not. And, and it's the right. attachment to him from when you were a kid. Was he a character you picked up and played with him more than maybe some of the others? And the problem with that character, the way he's designed in that story now, uh, the overall story of Masters is he's a philosophical character like that. So he's a hard one yeah. to pin down. When you're a kid, it's not quite, you can't grasp those concepts. Get, but now that we're older, that deep, no. yeah, and now that we're older, we're looking at him on the shelf going, we have all these philosophical concepts going through our heads looking at him, but we couldn't figure that out when we were five. You know? <laughs> right. It's, 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 a, it's an amazing, right. he, he's one of those characters that he's an acquired taste, but once you understand what he's about, he will open your mind to all these ideas of what, what that what the good versus evil aspect of him and the neutrality of him to tip the scale if one side needs the other assistance or whatever he's interesting for that 
but he wasn't like you could sit there as five and talk about these philosophical discussions with He-Man, and He-Man would go, "I'm just going to kick Skeletor's butt." You walk off, and that's the end of it. Right. I, I wanted to point out it's really cool that uh, there's a female uh, Zodak that's included in the gang named Apocrypha. Dan, you pointed this out on your. Wait, was it Tim that pointed this? No, it was Tim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That in the background, I believe the the blue Zodak, uh, not Strobo, but the one to the left of him is named Apocrypha, which yeah. is uh, the definition of that is uh, works usually written of unknown authorship or of doubtful origin. Yeah. And. <laughs> Yeah, and Tim Tim noted on his uh, Twitter, he said that uh, he totally made that character up because we need some ladies around here. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. Well, it is about time to have a female cosmic enforcer. Whose idea was she that? He might have always the... been there. Uh, the design work was basically Tim saying, it's like this meets this, and then I draw it up. You know? Yeah, his words, sense. my my pictures. There you go. Because you mentioned like Strobo, and Strobo, you know, was I clearly see him, and I, I see the figure, you know, yeah, I, I see the the classic, the complete, which you know it's beautiful. Thank you, you know, compared to his only one appearance in the uh, magazine, you know, and so mm-hmm. when I saw that, I'm like, wow, okay, I know where these guys are from, you know, you got the the 2000X Zodak was one of my favorites. You know, I loved him. Yeah. yeah. And, and then I saw the female and I'm like, oh, what's that story about? Oh, you know, and that's kind of why I like this issue so much, because there's more to it, you know. And yeah. the fact that uh, you and Tim didn't cover what happened to the Cosmic Enforcers, you know, builds no. up more of the story, you know, because, yeah. you know, I mean, I'm I'm waiting for Crespo to do comments on <laughs> the, <laughs> the Mighty Spectre, but. I'm still, you know, part of it was like, oh, they didn't show us what happened. They didn't show us the fight. I'm like, oh, what happened here? That's the thing. It's <laughs> like they they gave uh, they gave the the idea and the series six issues, and you know, it's it's an incredible task for Tim to basically compress the the amount of ideas. Uh, and but what's great, like he's very successful in that you're you are excited about what's happening off panel, basically, which, you know, which is one of those things that is thrilling about comic books is that we get excited about some about something that doesn't actually exist. We exi- we 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 are, we're excited about the potential of it. Um, and uh, I think I think that's pretty amazing that Tim was able to pull that off. And just looking through these, you know, how you laid out the pages, I just can't, I can't, I just can't see anybody like deciding to say, okay, I'm going to work on page one, page two, page without a a plan of action, like, like what you do. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I think a plan is, is uh, definitely the way to go. And it's, it's wonderful what you did with, uh, with Tila, I mean, it, it came together so perfectly, you know, that like you were talking about that, that scene where, or that page where she's, uh, you know, standing over Tapper's dying, you know, he's dying and, and she's crying. I mean, yeah. that's such great dialogue and it's just put, put together perfectly. Yeah. Tim, Tim definitely did his thing. I was really bummed to not be able to draw those pages, but like I said, I, th- I feel like Tom did uh, a fantastic job of, 
of uh, taking over and, and um, doing doing those layouts justice. And I was thinking of how the the layouts, you know, it can be confusing with so many different he men you know characters in one comic and there are a ton of characters in this issue oh my god uh on that same issue that same page i just you know i might as well mention that uh there's this one panel where you've got anti-eternia he-man his head and there's and the uh the 2000 x characters are ready to fight him and then yeah. he ends up destroying Castle Grayskull right in front of their eyes. And yeah. uh, it turns out that there's some small error there where uh, it's there? Snake Armor, He-Man. He's standing there, but he's he's got the black anti-Eternia He-Man word bubble saying you're making this fun. And so I'm pretty oh. sure, looking at your layout, I'm pretty sure you intended that to be anti-Eternia He-Man standing there, not Snake uh, Armor He-Man. Yeah, yeah, I have I haven't to go over uh, the the stuff with a fine tooth comb like mm-hmm. like Tim and Mike did, but that's a bummer. Good cat. And I'm I'm sure you know it takes a moment, but I'm sure people get that. Oh right, it was supposed to be anti-Eternia He-Man. So yeah, you know. So it's a minor thing, really. Hey, at least they're, you know, they're, it's not like the movie Cats. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited about the issue. I don't know if anyone can hear me right now. Yeah, we got you now. Oh, we got okay, you. Okay, good, yeah. good. Finally, I, I've been dying to, to thank Dan for that beautiful image of Spectre getting his butt kicked. But, <laughs> but before that, the trippy-looking space with, with a cosmic enforcers and specter showing up in a weird way kind of reminds me a bit of steranko oh man that is extremely high compliment holy crap man thank you <laughs> i i i love steranko the man thank you that's very kind. you're welcome and when when y'all were mentioning tiny nitpicks i did notice a slight mistake on page seven beastman's brace uh Bicep guard is missing. I know it's a tiny complaint, but is just it really? pointing out. Yeah. That's my fault. That's my fault then. <laughs> if it's not there. I, I just noticed, like, browsing through the through the book, I'm like, wait. <laughs> All right. Well, here's the thing then. If we, meet, if we meet each other in person, if we meet each other in person, you bring me your He-Man comic, uh, I'll draw the thing. Don't go. worry, it won't go on easy. <laughs> I'm going to keep that. <laughs> hmm. No, but, but this issue has been amazing to look at. The story is, it has some vibes. Of, it reminds me of The One, the movie with Jet Li, but yeah. with He-Man twist, but yeah. it's the art that's driving me crazy. Like, looking at, at the details, at the references, Spectre getting his butt kicked. <laughs> it's so funny because Tim... When uh when I when I drew Spectre, I'm like, heck is this character? I, I was like, I'd never seen him before, and I'm like, he doesn't. He looks like he's like a reject from some other toy line. Like, what is he? There you go. He's, he, he's naked of like, Deadpool. Uh, yeah, we get to kill him, so we're like. Was there a discussion uh, yeah. about the character? What's that? Was there when you guys were drawing him or roundtabling? Did he just tell you here's Spectre, or was there a discussion? about that character because just keep in mind for motu that's kind of a he's kind of an obscure character 
No, I know he is. But from what I recall from talking with Tim is that he is a uh, much much loathed character, uh, much like the Star Wars Jar Jar Binks. Right. <laughs> That's a good comparison. I, I really felt like you were trading tappers for for him, like one mm-hmm. one guy you really you know one character you wanted to kill off for another. <laughs> yeah, keep the balance. Keep the balance of things. Oh, maybe that was Zodak's doing. I see. <laughs> but I have one question. I I know you did the line art, so you might be able to answer this. On page fifteen, yeah. the woman in the shadows, I guess you'd say. Is that yeah. supposed to be sheer still trapped? Because I know she my friends that. and I, because we were yeah. like, wait, when we zoom in, it looks like it could be, or it could be Tila. No, it's not. Definitely not She-Ra. Definitely zero. If there's any resemblance of any She-Ra, anything that is completely unintentional, there's no She-Ra. Oh, when you sorry, mean, sorry to disappoint. You mean the <laughs> character that was being transported to the battlefield? Yeah. Yeah. Where, that's... It, was in, where it was really hard when I mean, even zooming in, we were, we were debating it, pulling out action figures, everything. <laughs> I think it's Stila materializing and the tiara appearing on her head. Yeah. Oh, the part that I got to say, since we're talking about Tila, I, I love the beautiful artwork. You know, on page nine, that's when we first see her. And yeah. I know she, you know, based on hints and our discussions, I knew Tila was going to have a bigger part to play in uh, the this issue. Was there any discussion yeah. on her fa- I mean, her facial, to me, her design is there. You, you nailed the 2000X look, but... Her face yeah. just came out so strong in that. Was your intention oh, to do that? Yeah, you know what? Uh, I, I keep going back to under the hood stuff for you guys. Um, <laughs> as an artist, my I feel like my I I say my biggest wishes uh, start with L. So likeness, lettering, and ladies. Uh, I, <laughs> I I always feel I always feel like uh, I don't draw as well as I draw men. So with Tila. Uh, I was hyper-focused on trying to make sure she's as pretty as I could make her uh, and and be as true to her and her essence as I, I possibly could be. So that's that's a, that's what it is. I think I was just hyper-focused uh, on making sure she looked good. Yeah, she turned out yeah. great. I mean, really, it, it is. A, I think her facial expressions were the most powerful out of that issue. You know, like she really yeah. conveys uh, emotion out of all the characters. You know, um, I know you you drew issue nine and then there's the later outline and both of them, you know, and those big scenes that she had were really powerful. Like from one panel to the, yeah. I kept looking at the panels and I was like the big yeah. difference. Yeah. The um, I think the, the the person on our team that has the biggest love for Tila is Tim. I think uh, that might have been his secret girlfriend when he was 12. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that that's like like if I had to write like a Wonder Woman story, I would make it all about Linda Carter. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, I mean he I mean these moments that and also like I I always think about like how uh there's the perception, you know, He Man was for, for kids and at a certain in a certain uh degree you go, you gotta be sort of lighthearted in the way uh, the story story is being told because of the roots of it. But at the same time, like 
I don't know, these moments, and then I know Tim Tim wrote them this way, they're like respecting um, the characters in a more sort of authentic and real way. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know. I think we wanted to make sure the, that the characters felt um, as authentic as possible. To me, that's the equivalent of, you know, like you watch a Disney movie, for instance, and most people would be like, oh, it's it's a cartoon. But then when you go to see it, there's these layers that you might not expect. And like there's movies where, you know, like as a 40 some year old man, I'll sit there and get misty eyed going like, wow, you know, like they managed to make me care about this. So, I mean, you guys pulled that off beautifully with how that scene was, because you know, like that's one of those moments that for fans, we we've always had that question of, well, you know, in material after filmation and stuff, there is this push of Tila and, and He-Man and, and Adam are destined to just be together just because she's the girl and right. he's the guy. But the way that you right. sum that part up between the words and the and, and the layouts and the, and the illustrations, it really did get it was it was such a nice almost like, you know, Clark Kent revealing he's Superman to her, you know, and. In in that right. way, and I really appreciated that we had a touch of that finally in the mythology in some way, shape, or form like that. I just like to interject here a uh, comment about uh, how Skeletor trades the Masters in for the evil Lord Hordak and them. Uh, it was really interesting to me that Skeletor made that choice there to bring them back after he went so much trouble to exile them. I like that part, personally. <laughs> I, I liked it. I mean, I loved it. I just thought it was interesting. I was just kind of wondering where that came from for your perspective, Dan. As far as what, uh, you mean Skeletor? What's the question? Um, okay. How Skeletor went to so much trouble to banish all the masters, and then, yes. and, and then he banishes the evil horde to trade in the masters. So what is your thoughts yeah. on that? I've seen there. Uh, I thought it was a kind of. Can I swear on this show? Yeah, I'll believe. Yeah. Sure. I think it. I think it was his. Oh well, f- it. I think that's <laughs> what he was doing. Well, it, it's, it's been shown in different stories. Skeletor will do whatever it takes for him to keep the upper hand. So that's the right. idea that he brought in the people that he knew were going to be able to take care of business in that situation. That's why I loved it. I was like, Haha, he went to the good guys because he knows the good guys are going to fight it. This is great, you know? <laughs> right. Well, and there's that theme of Skeletor. You know, t- he, he was talking uh, talking about how he stopped defeating himself, right? Yeah. Because yeah. he would do himself in, you know, plenty of times when he's fighting He-Man. Yeah. Um. This this, this Skeletor seemed like he had, it's like those, those people who uh, say, like you see these guys that are like, uh, go from nothing to millionaires to billionaires, or maybe they lose it all, or, you know, maybe they keep it all. But a lot of the stuff they they end up saying is it doesn't matter uh, how much you achieve and how much you have and and all that stuff at the same, the same uh, insecurities still exist. And I think maybe uh, that that Skeletor probably reached that point. That's that's kind of what I took from it. It's like he got the he got the castle, he got everything, and you know things are the way they are now. And like he just he didn't seem happy. Yeah. You know. Well, um, I kind of got that. I kind of got that vibe because I was thinking when I saw that scene back to the movie line was Seaman. Uh, tell me about the loneliness of good. Uh, is he the loneliness of evil kind of thing? Well, that's the part I found really fascinating. 
they were some panels and some lines where he's like, you know, he said, let's go home to Castle Grayskull. And no, I'll never get tired of saying that. Yeah. You know, that that he won. But you're right. There's yeah. time when he's talking to Kelder by himself, you see him that, that he admits he's conflicted. Mm-hmm. That right. there was more, but he didn't take it. And right. I don't know whether it was a good issue for him or a bad issue for him <laughs> you know at the end you know did he win or didn't he well did you notice the, in the color how he uh lost his disco coloring yeah toward the last panels yeah like i figured like his power was drained you know like in the movie yeah yeah oh that's what happened nice yeah yeah, hmm. yeah. Happened- like that now, was it intentional? Because, like, you're talking about that, and it reminded me of uh, page 16, where uh, he's kind of like having that moment or that kind of power struggle with Keldor, the young one, and mm-hmm. he kind of shifts a little. Did you, you know, was that intentional in the colors? Yes. Oh, okay. You know, because. Yeah. It was almost like Skelch Wars having a little lapse of goodness in there, because he, uh, he offers him advice, sort of, and gets him the cosmic key. It was kind of interesting how. It played out there with him. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I think about this, though, going back to what I what I said about selfishness and selflessness, um, we're, we're almost approaching this like Skeletor is having a change of heart because he had a, a conversation with a guy named Keldor, but Skeletor isn't really having a change of heart. He's talking to essentially himself and a, a different possibility with himself. And I think uh, those honesty, uh, those bits of honesty and the brutal vulnerability that we see as someone breaking is something that maybe perhaps we can only share with ourselves if we were a fractured version of ourselves. I know if I had to sit in a room with a version of myself, I would probably uh, spill a lot of beans. Yeah. You know? <laughs> no, it's very insightful. I think with, we saw a bit of that in the last issue, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with New Adventures, I thought there was more like new adventure Skeletor wanted to say, but just lack of time, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I felt like now that we're moving a little bit, I did feel that, you know, we're getting to know Skeletor a little bit more, like all care, you know, to me, I get the feeling that He-Man is a little different, but I'm yeah. starting to feel that as I've moved through these issues, it's almost the same Skeletor. Yeah. And I do, I do kind of see that, you know, our villains kind of stay a little bit more same, you know? doesn't matter which iteration of i'm talking about masters i'm talking about gi joe or transformers you know cobra commander megatron they're all kind of the same but it's the heroes who changed a little bit and that's what i'm appreciating here that when i read it i'm like interesting because then uh we get to that you know that brutal stabbing scene Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i call him little he-man and i just see skeletor there and again i don't know if he had a facial reaction or not my original layouts he wasn't in there uh and right right uh the only note in fact the only note i got from mattel uh for my layouts on the whole was to put him in that in in that uh frame so that was a um that was asked for which i think is quite effective Mm -hmm. well interesting and speaking of changes i really wanted to mention in your layouts that you shared with me uh, there's a final panel that didn't make it into this issue. Oh, no, no, no. That You're talking about that last thing? That was me having a bit of fun drawing. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I, that's that's one of the things that I, I have. Uh, I'm a compulsive doodler, and uh, even if I'm done like working for the day, and I've worked you know ten, twelve hours, I will still end up sketching on something. Okay. And in that particular instance, if there was that extra square there, and I just drew that. Nice. Well, that's that's a lot of fun. I, it, dr- it drove me crazy. I was I keep wondering like, oh, what was he gonna say in that panel? <laughs> nah. <laughs> No. Yeah. No. That was uh. Yeah. That was uh. Extra. Extra draw in. You know, I would. I, I know it's asking a lot, but I'm just curious. I would. I would love to have a chance to share uh the layouts for the previous issues you worked on in the multiverse series. If that. If any of yeah. that is something you could share with me. Yeah, I'll try to dig it up. I'll dig oh. it up because that that uh some of those layouts because of the process some of them I'm actually looking at some of them right now as we're talking some of nice. them were drawn in my sketchbook in actual pencil oh. and then some of them drawn in uh Procreate next to each other uh-huh. uh and then and then when I sent them to Mattel I sent them uh as individual files so mm-hmm. if I can if I can rally them all together I'll definitely do that Fantastic. Thank you. I just want to comment, Dan, that I really enjoyed the last panel to feature for the upcoming book. Uh, particularly anti trans he man's look of horror on his face. Infiltration <laughs> universe. I mean, he just looks mortified. <laughs> I think I'd be. You know, if, I, if, I, if I just, my mission, I'm going to be the one. I'm going to be the He Man and, and, you know, screw everyone. And he goes around and he goes to the bad, badass high <laughs> show universe, the Keldor uh, universe, or he does, yeah, he, he doesn't go to the Keldor, Keldor universe. He goes to, uh, you know, the space universe, goes to 2000. He's like, man, you know, whatever. And then he goes to the filmation world and he's like, <laughs> I mean, that's like uh, eating a bunch of spicy food, chewing bubble gum. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that was. A damn good analogy, sir. <laughs> <laughs> um, with with you having done all the layouts for issue three, but you you did yeah. uh, half of the issue, and then Tom Derenick took over the other half. Is there a, a page yeah. in particular that you weren't able to get to because Tom took it over that you really were hoping, hey, I would love to have done this one instead, or or whatever, would, or were you happy with what drawing. you had? I, I, if I had more time, I'd have drawn uh, Tapper getting skewered. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was, it was nice. this big question in my head. Like, I see, the, I see Tom take over, and I'm like, I like both of you working on it. But I'm like, I wonder if he has that, like, it was a missed opportunity. If I would have had the time, that would have been that page. For- yeah, no, it was skewer page for sure. But, like, <laughs> the, I knew I knew schedule-wise when I, I, I called editorial and told them I had to – you know, dip out. I said, you know, I have in order to hit the marks, because that's the thing is, especially with DC Comics, is they have a very rigid schedule. And, you know, there there are all these checkpoints that they have to hit. And I knew with my uh, storyboard schedule, with their schedule, that I only had it in to realistically do 11 pages. Mm-hmm. And I, I could have like, cherry picked and been like oh this one this one this one because this one's cool and, and all that but what i really i i wanted to make sure that there was a clean consistent break so i thought you know once they're teleported outside that's a a good break so I, that that's what ended up happening you know 
Otherwise, mm-hmm. if I was like, if I didn't care, if I didn't care about like that consistency things, I definitely would have grabbed that because that one is uh, one of those moments. And when I laid it out, you know, I didn't realize I wasn't able to draw it. But uh, yeah, that was one. It, 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 good question because the, yeah, that's the answer is uh, that page. Nice. Uh, well, as we're coming to the top of the hour, you know, um, I want to tell you again, you know, thank you. And I know I've said it before, I've sung your praises, but uh, you've done some groundbreaking things in the Motu fandom that oh, fans thanks. will never forget. You know, I, well, that's awesome. you know, I mean, you've covered so much universe and you were part of that design and you just made so many characters alive. You know, you. Oh my God! You made Mighty Specter a character, uh, <laughs> and then well, killed him. Yeah, and you, and you actually made New Adventures of He-Man look really cool. Yes, yeah, yeah you made that Skeletor pop, but uh, in both versions for me, the New Adventures and 2000X Skeletor, that the way that you did the head design, especially the illustration for him, man, that that just made me smile from ear to ear. Like he just looks menacing and terrifying. I loved it. As as we know, you know, you're leaving th- this issue and all that. Uh, we know it's not the end. You know, it's never the end. You know, pass will cross again. You know, pass always cross. What is it that you're going to be moving on to now? Where can we uh, see your work now? And what is it you're going to be well, uh, hitting on to? Or basically, to rephrase it, why did you leave us? If you guys watch Dip uh, Patrol... The TV show Doom Patrol. I I'm the storyboard artist on Doom Patrol. I'm also oh, the storyboard artist on another TV show called Legacy. Oh, and I was doing that both before He Man, uh, and the schedule just got to the point where it was just too heavy to do both. Uh, and you know the storyboarding's my original commitment, so I you know I I went with that, and that that is why. But uh, as far as comic book stuff's uh, concerned. I will be doing more comics work this summer. I have uh, I had a book back in the 90s called Black Flag that I'm bringing back. In uh, we're going to do a crowdfunding campaign in April. Uh, so if you guys want to keep an eye out for Black Flag uh, out there uh, in April, and also I've got a um, a show on YouTube called Couch Doodles, and and I have uh, different people come on. I'll be interviewing Tim soon, so he'll be on. Uh, I interview comic book artists, uh, movie directors, actors, musicians, and we talk about creativity. Right. Okay, let me just do a little geek more. Here. So, are you drawing season two of Doom Patrol? Oh yeah. So yeah. Oh, okay, there's yeah, a second yeah, that, season. That, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. That's that's why. That's why I had to go. I mean, this stuff is right now. I just finished storyboarding the seventh episode. Ah. So yeah, I I, I believe me. The, I season two is awesome. If you're if you like the show, season two is uh is awesome and the it's very 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 uh big. Okay, because I of, I did watch. I do enjoy. I did enjoy the first season and. Cool. Uh, yeah, it'll be good. You'll dig it. Okay, and I was uh, excited because did you see you know the the crisis? Everything now is all not together, but they acknowledged all the universes and they had Doom Patrol in it and mm-hmm. they had everybody in it and. That was a geek moment for me, so I'm glad to see Doom, uh, or glad to hear Doom Patrol's coming back. Oh yeah, huge, 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 really good stuff. Yeah. And then I want to say I have loving you done with Legacy is one of my favorite shows as well. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I enjoy, I really enjoy working on that show. I've been working 
working on that show since last season. I've uh, been doing tons of stuff this season, and uh, it's been super rewarding, especially um, getting to work with people that I worked with in different capacities. Like the, this last week, I don't know if you saw this last week's episode of Legacy, um, but my, my a friend of mine uh, named America Young directed the show. And I know America because this, she was one of my actors, a voice actor, when I was directing the Monster High stuff over at Mattel. So just seeing her, uh, you know, from acting into directing and then being able to work with her on Legacy is just one of the coolest things. That is very cool. enjoying Michelson's uh, story arc. Yeah, yeah. I know I'll put it on the Nerds on the Couch uh, page and I we'll share it. I appreciate that. I appreciate it. I'm going to need all the help I can get because that – the you know that when you crowdfund it's basically you know from go you know i've got my team i've got the story written uh i'm currently between working on pages while i'm working on uh this stuff and it's slow going but the you know the the reason i'm going to be able to do uh this during uh and getting geared up for the summer is that that both doom patrol and uh legacies they go on hiatus starting in march which means that my schedule opens up, which means I have time to draw a book. You know what I mean? Of course, I draw more Motu comic books. <laughs> There's, always that There's always that too. But this, this Black Flag story, I've, this thing, um, and, you know, all that stuff where I talk about uh, things you do to get yourself excited, uh, this thing has me so excited for so many reasons. It's like, um, you know, it's a book I did 25 years ago when I was 21 years old. And there are things I'm finally getting to uh, pay off. You know, there were setups that I didn't ever get to pay off and I finally get to pay them off. Uh, and to me, there's that that gets me up. In the, you know, that to me, that's like super exciting. Yeah, I look forward to seeing it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Again, I, I hate to say goodbye to you, but yeah, I know no I know the universe will bring us all back. I know you will come back to this. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> More Try as you might. Yeah. All right. All right. You guys have a great one. All right. You too. Have a good okay. one. Have a good night. Thank you very much. Good night. night Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. We learned, what was it? Uh, well, yesterday, right? Yeah, that, yesterday. That uh, here, and let me just switch over to the 2021 Masters of the Universe movie page. A little little advertisement there. Yeah. <laughs> da, da, da. <laughs> and let's see here. Here it is. Yeah, so Sony pushed their Uncharted movie back three months. And instead of rescheduling the Masters of the Universe movie, they just took it off the schedule. So now it's dated as to be determined by the studio. Leaving a lot of Masters of the Universe fans saying, what the hell? <laughs> That's the nicest <laughs> phrase. <laughs> it was either that or called it because I know there were a lot of people going, you know, they weren't even sure if this was going to get off the ground. And unfortunately, they were like, yeah, I told you so or whatever. Yeah, lots of told you so. Yeah, that's, yeah. That was one of those. <laughs> I mean, I know they kept piping that we were going to have a movie. I think they were saying March of 2021. And I, I had a feeling it wasn't going to happen. I mean, um, yes, we're getting two new co- cartoons, and we have a great comic book series, but suddenly I think it's time to give back the rights and find another studio. 
if we ever want to see a movie. Well, I think that's the mentality of everybody. Please give Sony give back the rights so we can get this going legit, maybe. I want to know how easy it, is, it would it be for them to just say that it's canceled, given all of the things that are being built up to help support it. Uh, like the like you said, like those two cartoons and the Masses of the Universe Origins line. I'm really uh, kind of starting to worry that, you know, what is the, the future for the Origins line? Uh, but maybe maybe it's a little, you know, maybe I'm jumping the gun because it could be that, you know, a few days from now we'll hear that, oh, here, you know, that they have a schedule for it, that they just bumped it a month or so. Well, all that is speculation, but contracts, especially with licenses, work like that. A company, a movie studio or a production company gets the license to do a product. So they have the license to do the Masters of the Universe. When you have that license, that means that you have a certain amount of time to get something going. Like, And they're specific. If there's one about cartoons, then they have to do a cartoon. If it's about movies, they have to do a movie one. And if they let it lapse, and companies do that, they let the license lap, then it falls back to the original owner. And this is what happened with... Uh, like, uh, for example, Marvel movies, Blade uh, lapsed because they weren't doing any Blade movies. And so they lapsed back to Marvel. Ghost Rider, same thing. You know, they weren't making any Ghost Rider movies, so they went back to Marvel. Marvel took uh, a great pleasure in this because they won all their characters under their umbrella. Universal Studios, Sony Pictures, they have the license for Masters, and so it needs to fall back. And then Mattel Studios... You know, we'll decide what to do with it. So, uh, a while ago, yeah, they they were supposedly going to be a joint venture with Sony, who was gonna do He-Man, Barbie, and I think Universal was gonna do a Hot Wheel, which falls under the uh, Battleship movie, I guess. <laughs> but it, it's kind of it's kind of weird. Like Mattel is like giving these these franchise these brands to make movies out of that don't make sense like there's hot wheels supposedly there's a magic gate ball and i'm like dude get he-man going get barbie going sadly max steel sucked but get freaking street sharks <laughs> well, the, the, the whole thing like in the last year they had all that you know men in black international and all the other stuff for sony now is i think they're too gun shy to do some of these things now they're they're, you know, Spider-Man stuff is working. You know, that's probably their mentality now. It's like, focus on that. Don't focus on the other stuff. We don't know if it's tried and true right now. Uh, so I saw one article that said that the negotiation to possibly sell off the movie to Netflix fell through. But I have not seen any other source. So you tell me, have you seen anything about that? No, no, I haven't. Okay, because I don't want to spread rumors or anything. It, it was just one article that I saw mention of it. But it could... I'm hoping that at least we get, like, if not a movie, a miniseries. Like, for, exa for example, the Witcher series. Nobody expected that to be a raging success. And everybody's out, oh, like, oh, I do your Witcher. And, yeah. and it's, like, <laughs> completely unexpected. Because everybody was writing the Game of Thrones train. It ran out and... I'm not into fantasy. Totally Witcher. Heman yeah. captures multiple markets. Sci-fi, fantasy, action-adventure. They could actually do a small series and see how it goes from there. And if eventually it leads to a movie, fine. But 
right now the two cartoons are going to be doing all the heavy lifting for Mattel. I, I'm, I'm one of those people, though, that when it comes to the movie, I almost don't need a movie. And the reason why is there's too many people within the fandom that would love or hate that thing to begin with. So, you know, like you have so many people that if they don't see X, Y, and Z elements in this movie, they're automatically not going to love it because 87 burned them in the first place when they were kids. There's that element where I'm like, I gotta just see the new cartoons and see what happens. And if that starts the love for it, maybe it will lead to something bigger down the, part, down the pike. Part of it is why can't they just do it? You know, the concept is not a difficult concept. You have good and evil. You have a magical land. You have a prince who calls on a sword, transforms. You have an evil skull guy that everybody knows is the evil skull guy. You have <laughs> so much. I mean, well, if you never heard of it, if you've never heard of any of this, you could easily go into the theater and say, I bet that guy with the skull head is the bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, I, I agree with that, and, and I see where you're coming from, but I also see it from the fandom perspective where there's certain ingredients that every that there's certain fans who want to see these things, and then they'll feel burned if they don't get those. And the, the thing about Masters is it's, a, it's not dormant. It's not where nothing's happened with it, obviously. We just talked to Dan Fraga. I mean, they're doing comics. They're about to do cartoons. They've had a toy line for 12 years strong at this point with a new one about to begin but the difference here to me is this is something that it's a fan canon now almost like star wars a lot of people have built in their heads what this is supposed to be to them and now i'm i'm at the point of going i almost rather would not see a movie because the movie's gonna be two hours of concentrated this is the story they're gonna tell and that might turn people off that love the franchise and it might bring new people, though. Who knows? But there's an element of I don't think anybody's going to be happy with this movie, no matter what happens. There's going to be something they're going to be missing or whatever. Well, that's the era where, we live in. Where they might compare it to the, the last Star Wars, where they said too much fan service for one group, but not for another. It, it's true. And it, storyline. Exactly. And I, I think the, the biggest problem is you can't make everybody happy and it should be a vision based on the story that they want to tell not pleasing everybody at this point and that's going to be a huge selling either a detracting or selling point for some people because a lot of people like us have had their own canons in their minds since they were kids and here we are in our 40s looking at this 30s and 40s i should say and we're looking at it going well that's not how i wanted to see it like skeletor being keldor that might not be somebody's thing he might have been a demon originally you know and so there's like each thing adds something new which is great but it also will detract people from the new because they're like well that's not how i played it when i was a kid you know yeah but if you're really a master of universe fan you have to accept all iterations of Masters of the Universe. A point you have to recognize that all is valid, all part of the mythos, and you can't just discount something just because it doesn't mesh with your vision or your version of it to me. So, fan of it, I love all of it. Of course, I have my favorite aspects, but I mean, I'd just be happy to see a lot of good live action where it tells a familiar story, not maybe the perfect one I would want, but something that is along the lines of what we grew up expecting or hoping. I agree with that. I'm not going to lie. Like I, I'm somebody that 
just tell a story using these characters that I've loved. It doesn't have to be perfect. It could be new. And I'll still be interested to see what new what's new about that, because then I'm looking at it from a different way and going, I never would have thought of that, but that works. And I actually want to include that in the way I think of it. But there's other people out there that don't want anything to do with that, too. <laughs> and that's well, that's the, the hardest part. Well, let's call them for what they are. Toxic fans. And I would call them purists, but OK. <laughs> no, it's just that there's fans who will say no unless it's what they want in their heads, you know, and they expect the studio to pierce into your head, into their heads, yeah, and produce what they want, and it's just impossible. It is a hundred percent impossible. You just gotta work with it. You just gotta get it out there, and hopefully. Again, you find a director who can work with fantasy action, who can make characters important, create some great special effects, create some great action scenes, and again, provide characters that we care about, take us on a journey with a possibility of a franchise. Let's see if it works. I mean, personally, I would be happy if we just had Orko and Battlecat. <laughs> You mean the Orko Battle Cat move? <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be a nice spin-off. <laughs> I'd really like to know, where. what's the roadblock? Is it a particular team, a particular individual? I mean, why is this being, you know, what's where's the, the source of this curse that's keeping this movie from being put, put out? I'll give even odds, 99 to 1. It's money. I would say money or, or the script possibly because they can't decide how they want to portray this to make it to make it palatable to today's audiences. And that's me quoting that. That's not me believing that. I think part of it is that, well, movie studios, you know, and this is a problem DC had, was that they want to spend the least amount of money to produce the most effective movie to get the most amount back. You know, it's show business. And so they don't want to spend Avengers money. And clearly, no, you're not going to have, you know, you know, whatever Avengers movie cost into Masters of the Universe. But at the same time, you shouldn't have, you know, low budget quality put into it. So they got to find the right amount and hopefully get the right amount back. And it's just painful because I think that's what it is. They just don't want to spend the money. And uh, Sony is gunshot. An alternative would be to have the movie, the first Masters movie be something at a smaller scale and keep growing with it, with sequels if the money is there. But again, since this is a fantasy movie in an alien world, people don't have James Cameron money, something that's theoretically untested. We can quote Game of Thrones or Ragnarok, The Witcher, but studios at the same time will throw back a thousand more attempts that have failed than the few successes. Yeah. I wish we could get this movie done because I believe in the brand. I believe in the amazing potential storytelling that this storyline has. But if the studios don't believe in it, they're not going to. And well, Sony pretty much doesn't believe in anything. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I was just going to say is they won't believe in it until they see the dollar signs coming back to them at this point. And, you know, it's... They, they still, it's the whole thing of, okay, 
women superheroes aren't going to be a, a thing in the super, in the uh, box office because Supergirl failed. Well, Supergirl was 1986, you know, like, and then it's like you're looking at a movie from 1987 and there's a whole bunch of reasons that didn't work to the fullest extent that it could have, but they're going to still look at it as, well, it was panned and it's, it's, you know, considered a flop because it didn't make money back or whatever. And it's like, yeah, that was then. This is now. And there's a lot better ways of telling this story than they could have in that era, you know? And we have the ability. We just need the means to do it at this point. So, as a lot of you know, the uh, Funko Pop has uh, come back and seen the Masters of the Universe with uh, the new line for 2020 now available for pre order through Big Bad Toy Store. Entertainment Earth, amongst others, such as GameStop uh, and such. What do you guys think about the upcoming line, such as Eagle and West Store? I'm getting Battle Cat. <laughs> <You know? laughs> <laughs> I already ordered Prince Adam and uh, Sorceress. I might be getting more Funko Pop than I ever wanted. Battle Cat is obviously among them. Adam, Sorceress, Vanilla He-Man, Skeletor, and even uh, Mosquito. Tongue Lester is on the, is on the chopping block. I personally have them all on pre-order, so. <laughs> well, I'm glad, you know, Mattel kind of caved in and they, I guess somebody explained it to them that if you're a pop culture, you got to go Funko. You know, I, I had, I have a gut feeling Mattel had designs of making like their own kind of things, but I think uh, somebody convinced them that, you know, Funko is pretty much the culture thing, you, you know, that you got to have. So I'm glad they're doing that. You know, I, I'm glad I'm going to have a Battle Cat Funko with my He-Man. And I got the Panther and the Skeletor. I'm I'm happy. I, I missed out on the first ones. I uh, kicked myself. I first wave. You're rich. You know, <laughs> you know how rich you are, Kelly? <laughs> they are all mint in box, too. Well, there you go. Uh, there you go. All the except just Skeletor. Yeah. So, Kelly, you can retire now. Okay, you are rich. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot afford... I'm, I saw. I remember seeing them. I saw the Shira. I kicked myself for not getting them. But the only one I w- wish I got was the uh, Shira Rock Rock Candy one. That one is a high-priced one to get now. Yeah. They that, did it as a pin-up version of Shira as a they, San Diego Comic-Con exclusive. People bash Funkos, but there they are. You know, there's a whole store of, you know, I got to get myself to that Funko store in California. But they're, they're there. They're collectible. I, for some reason, I did not intend to collect, and I have like about a hundred of them. Don't ask me how. <laughs> I actually got a phone call from GameStop. Uh, I have a contact there. and They called me uh, last, earlier last week when they first available. I was like, yes, I know. I got them for you. Thanks so much for letting me know. I'd like to thank our special guest, Dan, for joining us today. If you have not picked up the latest issue of Masters of the Multiverse, please do so. It is great, as you heard. Also, on sale now are your PowerCon tickets for August 8th and 9th out in Anaheim, California. Also open right now. There are hotel rooms available for $159, but they are going fast. 
So you have to book quickly. The link is available at thepowercon.com or through heman.org. As always, for the latest up-to-the-minute news on anything Masters of the Universe related, check out our friends over at heman.org. And until next time, good journey. To catch the latest nerd news, be sure to follow Nerds on the Couch on Facebook. Thank you and good journey. This is David Clark. It was just so much fun talking about multiverse. I, I cannot wait for the next issue. And I'm hoping very much that uh, Tim Seeley will be able to join us next time. But, we'll, you know, we'll see what his schedule's like. Uh, wish everybody a good journey and be sure to check out adultcollector.org, the number one source for He-Man and She-Ra content. Thank you. Apparently I'm next, so... <laughs> Ramping Crespo here. Good journey. See you next Blue Moon. <laughs> this is Rex. I would like to thank everyone for having me again today, and I'd like to wish all our listeners a good journey. And this is Sean Scavarna. You can check me out online at October Sun Art. And uh, thank you, Dan Frega, for uh, dropping by for a third time and letting us drill you tonight. That was great. Until next time, everybody, good journey. This has been a Nerds on the Couch production in association with adultcollector.org.